Well, I want to welcome you back to our um, series we've been doing called Clichés, Half-Truths, and Lies, We Believe. We've been looking at uh, different things that we often say but really uh, aren't quite true. And I want to welcome you back for that. I want to welcome our online audience. Glad that you guys are with us too. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, if I look a little uh, frazzled this morning, a little worn, um, it's because we picked up our grandkids two weeks ago in Baltimore. And how many of you understand this? There's a reason why you have kids when you're young. Anybody, anybody get that? Uh, I mean, about three days into this, I told Wanda, you know, I'm, I'm going to need like caffeine 24-7. Can I just get like an IV in me all the time? And, uh, but you got to love kids. You know, one of the things I love about kids is they're so honest. You know, they just always say what's on their mind. You know, they always say what they're thinking. And they ask so many really crazy questions. Um, our grandson, Maddox, um, is just, he's nine years old, just turned nine a week ago. And uh, his, everything that happens, he always wants to know, you know, why, how, you know, grandpa, you know, tell, why, why does that, you know, why is it, why is this? And it's like, man, he's just got a thousand questions. And I thought about that as we're talking about the message today, because sometimes I, I love it when we think about questions that kids ask God, and uh, because they have great questions. And I saw some of these, throw these up on the screen. Dear God, did you mean for a giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? <laughs> I mean, when you think about it from a kid's perspective, it was like maybe God was drawing a giraffe and he kind of really messed up, you know, and just kind of, yeah, that, that, I thought that was great. That was enormous. Dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? <laughs> that great question. Great question. Dear God, in Bible times, did they really talk that fancy? I thought that was hilarious because when I grew up, I thought King James, you know, English was exactly what God spoke. You know, this thou, thou Stephen stand, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, kids would think that. Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? <laughs> I love that. No, it's not okay. We don't do that. I love, this isn't really a question, but I thought this was great. Dear God, I bet it's really hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> How many of you understand that completely? God, can you explain this one to me? You know? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning, um, because one of the things, the phrases you sometimes hear is, you can't question God. Um, I heard that growing up. You know, if something happened and I would ask the question, I would hear, well, you can't question God. Now look at me. Just want you to know my heart. That's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, if you go through Scripture, you will find that every great person of faith along the way on their journey were not afraid to ask questions of God. Uh, Moses asked questions. King David asked questions. Even Jesus on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's okay for us to have questions too. And that's what I want to I wanna talk about today. And maybe especially after a you know, last week or two that we've had as a, as a church and you know, been through that. And some of you saw in the news uh, the shooting that happened in, uh, in El Paso where 20 people were killed. And then last night again in Dayton, Ohio, where I was just preaching two weeks ago, uh, nine more people were shot and, and killed. And you look at this stuff and we have just a thousand. Come on, it's just us. How many of you just have about a million questions for God when you get there? Yeah. Well, let's, let's just kind of process some of that together. There was a, a prophet who was really struggling a bit um, because things weren't going the way he thought they ought to go. 
the bad guys were winning, the good guys were losing, and he was trying to kind of wrap his mind around that because that didn't fit into his theology. And so he had a lot of questions for God. Just throw that up on the screen for me if you would. He says, this is Habakkuk chapter one. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or I cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? And why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Man, those are all just great questions. He says, destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law was paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now, the next part is God's response. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Now, I want to I unpack uh, some of this. And I, and I really, uh, my intent today is to really give you some, some kind of handles to hang on to that as you begin to have your questions for God, um, that you can have kind of a frame of reference to help you through it. Are you ready? Here we go. Let me give you some stuff. The, the way I think we need to begin, and when I hit this, I thought, oh, this is just a great place to start, is we need to start by asking ourselves some questions. Before you start questioning God, may, maybe a great place to begin is, is to ask yourself some questions. <laughs> and you say, well, Pastor Steve, what kind of questions would I ask myself? I'm glad you asked that, Nathaniel. Let me, let me tell you. Yeah, throw the first one up on the screen for me. First one is, do you really want an answer? Do you really want an answer? Have you ever asked questions for which you really didn't want an answer? Have you ever been asked questions for which you knew you really didn't really want to? Come on, you guys will get this, you, you youth up front. Have your parents ever said this? What were you thinking? How many of your parents have said that to you? Yeah. Now, look at me. You need to hear this. That's not a question. Is it? That's not a question. What we know is you weren't thinking. That's what we know. That's not really a question. We're just kind of, kind of, have your parents ever said this? What do you think I am? And how many of you had to bite your tongue because you didn't tell them? <laughs> you didn't really want to know what they were thinking. I promise you that. I, I remember my mom saying that one time and I'm going, oh, can I dare say that? You know, if I say, if I tell her what I think oh, right now, I'm a dead man. No. Yeah. That, listen, th- those are moments. We're not, we're not really asking a question. We're just venting. That's what we're doing. We're just venting. And sometimes we do that with God. Sometimes the questions we have for God really aren't questions. Sometimes what we're doing in the form of a question is we're, we're venting our frustration, we're venting our anxiety, we're venting our anger. Now I want you to look at me and I, just, I want you to hear this and I want you to know Pastor Steve said this. Here's what I want you to understand. God is big enough to handle your anger. He's big enough to handle your anger. Um, God understands what you're going through. He understands what's happened to you. He understands the pain that's happening in your heart. He gets all of that. He's he's strong enough. His love for you is tenacious enough to handle that anger. Does that make sense? You know, sometimes we don't really want an answer. How about this? Are you prepared? (laughs) Are you prepared to not like the answer? That's another question you need to ask yourself. Are you prepared if you ask God a question that gives you an answer and you're not going to like it? Now, I thought about this because this is particularly true when we're the ones who have made the mess. Come on, just us. How many of you have ever made some bad decisions and made a mess of your life before? 
Come on. And then it, it gets, what's interesting is how we'll, we'll do stuff and there's consequences or we'll make decisions and, and then things happen and we'll keep digging the hole deeper and deeper and finally we, you know, we just go, man, I, there's no way. And then, and then we go, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? Do you really want God to answer that? You think you're going to like the answer? Because the answer to that is, uh, why did this happen? It's because you're dumb. <laughs> Come on, all God's people said. You know, and that's, that, and you gotta, you got to be prepared for the fact that sometimes when you ask God questions, you're not going to like that answer. Let me give you another one. Are you prepared to not get an answer? Are you prepared to not get an answer? Do you remember in our passage we just read a moment ago from Habakkuk, when Habakkuk asked all God, God all these questions, you remember what Habakkuk, God said to Habakkuk out of it? You, got, you can't miss it. God said, Habakkuk, even if I told you, you wouldn't get it. I'm going to do something that even if I explained to you what was going on, you wouldn't understand. And I know this is hard, but you've got to wrap your minds around this for a second. God's ways are not always our ways. God's thinking is not always our thinking. And sometimes in, in the midst of life, there are things that happen and we're, we're asking questions of God. And I think God in his heart breaks for us because he, we wouldn't get it if he wrote it down and laid it out in front of us. Does this make sense? You know, sometimes we have to prepare ourselves that even if I was asking God this question, I may not get an answer because, you know what, I may not just be able to comprehend the answer. Let me give you one more, and this one really hurts too. Are you prepared to wait for the answer? Are you prepared to wait for the answer? <laughs> Come on, gang. How many of you have discovered God is not on your timetable at all? He has a whole separate uh, timetable to these things. And, and sometimes we get frustrated with that because we ask these questions and the, not that the answer is not going to come, it's that we want the answer now. We want to put our question in a microwave, and we want God to spit it out 60 seconds later, all done. And sometimes that's just not the way it works. One of my favorite characters in, in Scripture is uh, Joseph uh, in the book of Genesis. Um, Joseph, when he was 17 years old, uh, has this dream that God gives to him that God is going to raise him up to be a ruler. And um, he, he has this dream, and in his dream, his brothers and his dad all bow down to him. Wouldn't that be a cool dream? <laughs> Have my brothers and my sisters bowing down, you know. Uh, he, you know, he has this dream that God's going to do something great. And so, you know, he makes the mistake. He tells his brothers, and he tells his dad about it. Well, they get upset. And it's kind of like immediately after he starts telling about this dream, all these bad things happen to Joseph. Uh, he goes out to take some food to his brothers who are out tending the sheep, and they get mad at him because they're jealous about his dream. And so they grab him and they tear his robe off that his dad had given him. They throw him down in a well and they put blood on his robe and they sent it back to his dad and told his dad that, you know, that some wild animal had torn him up and he was dead. And they end up selling their brother into slavery. Now, you can imagine Joseph as he's being carted off into slavery going, God, I don't remember this part in the dream, you know. I mean, I thought I was going to be a ruler. I'm in, I'm in slavery. He gets to Egypt, and sure enough, he, gets, he goes to a guy's house named Potiphar, and he does really well, and Potiphar makes him charge of the house, and things start turning good again, but no sooner do they get good, and Potiphar's wife accuses him of, you know, of doing something that he didn't do, and they throw him in prison, and now he's in prison again, and it was kind of like bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff, and don't you think along the way 
Joseph is going, God, I don't understand all this. You know, when's this dream thing going to happen? And it wasn't until finally the Pharaoh had a dream and they found out that Joseph could do interpret dreams. He got Joseph out of prison and, he had, and Joseph tells Pharaoh the dream and, and Pharaoh, as a result of it, makes Joseph number two in all of the land. And finally, Joseph was the ruler that he had told he was become. And then his brothers actually come to that land, not knowing Joseph was still alive. They come there, and now Joseph is a ruler, and his brothers literally bow down in front of him. So this dream all comes true. And it was there and then that it all made sense to Joseph. In fact, when he finally told his brothers it was him, I mean, they freaked out. They thought he was going to kill him, but he didn't. Throw that passage up on the screen. I love this. Joseph says, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Read it with me, church. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Now, I promise you, when Joseph was going into slavery, he didn't think God had anything to do with that. When he got sent into prison, he didn't think God had anything to do with that. And he, he did. It wasn't until this point. Here's what I want you to understand. That statement is 13 years later after he had the dream. 13 years. Sometimes you can't microwave the work of God. And sometimes the questions that we have for God just take time. For God to answer. Does this make sense to you? That's one of the questions we have to ask ourselves. But let me give you another thought that I, I think is really important. Let your questions draw you to God, not away from him. Let your questions draw you to God, not away from him. Now, especially when we go through um, tragedies like we had this last week. We have these questions, and these questions are coming out of a, a lot of emotion, a lot of pain. And as we're asking these questions of God, here's, here's I, I just, you just can't miss this. Everybody make eye contact. You can't miss it. As we're asking these questions out of this pain, there is an enemy who wants to use this moment in time to drive a wedge between you and God. And the enemy wants to take that pain and he wants to make you focus on that pain. He wants to make you feel like you're abandoned. He wants to make you feel like God doesn't love you anymore. He wants to make you feel like God isn't real. He wants to make you feel like God isn't there. He wants to take that pain and he wants to turn it against you. And this is why it's just really important as we're asking these questions to God, we have to allow these questions to help us lean into God and not away from him. Amen. Now, I'm going to circle back to this at the very end, but, but, but you, can't, you can't miss that. You know, even Habakkuk, who we talked about earlier, uh, the prophet, when he was asking these questions, he just kept himself close to God as he asked him. And by the end, you know, he was, he was still holding on. I love this. Throw that up on the screen. This is from Habakkuk 3. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, read it with me, church, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now, I was just thinking about how God uses these questions to, to draw us to himself and and I thought about a couple of things. One, one is that, you know, questions, when we're, when we're leaning into God with them, questions can really make us aware uh, of the presence of God in our life. They can just make us more aware of that. 
Um, I remember a woman wrote a, a blog. It was just, it was really cool. And she was talking about when her daughter was going through uh, cancer and she was dealing with all of the treatments. And it was, uh, you know, it, it's over a period of time and she's watching her daughter get weak and losing her hair and going through all that. And it's just, you know, that's just so hard on a mother's heart. And this woman was saying, and she said, you know, one day I see, I was sitting in the waiting room when my daughter was getting her treatment. And she said, I, I was just depleted. And she said, I, I just was sitting there and she said, I finally just said, where are you, God? Where are you? And she said it was so crazy because she said, as I, as I asked that question, she said, I, I raised my head. And she said, and there on, on the wall in the waiting room, she said it was March. She said, but there had been Christmas decorations up there a few months before. And she said there was just a little tiny piece of Christmas paper that was still taped to the wall. And she said it was just a single word, joy, joy. And she said, I, this may be hard for people to understand. She says, but that single word, that simple piece of paper, she goes, I felt like was a direct message from God, letting me know that in the midst of all of this barrenness that I feel, that he is still there, that his presence was still near. She said, it was like God sat down beside me in that waiting room and put his arm around me. And she said, I felt his presence in a powerful and a profound way. You see, sometimes when we ask those questions, God can, can lean into us like that and reveal himself to us. Um, another thing that questions can also help us uh, get deep in our understanding of God's word. You know, when we're asking questions, one of the great things you can do when you're asking questions of God is, is to go into his word. Yesterday during, during the funeral, um, I talked about, you know, what do we hold on to? And one of the things I talked about were the promises of God. You know, sometimes when, man, when we're going through stuff, we, we turn to God's word and we find these incredible promises that, that God gives us and he can deepen our understanding of it. Another thing that we can happen is that questions can also deepen our understanding of ourselves. I don't want you to miss this. A lot of times when we're asking questions to God, and sometimes our questions are even about God, sometimes what we don't understand is what God is actually trying to do is to reveal things to us about us. Sometimes what God is wanting to do is to show us things in our lives that need to be changed or healed or renewed. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, I, I was back in Dayton, Ohio, and I, I shared on, on Friday night um, I went to a, a Celebrate Recovery program, and they had asked me to share my testimony of dealing with my, my codependency. And I, I, I shared the story of um, how uh, growing up, I grew up in a home of a, with a mom that was chemically dependent. And I, I talked about just some of the emotional damage that happens to you when you grow up in the, in the home of an addict. And um, as I shared that story, I, I talked about what really triggered for me is when I came into my adult life, I was struggling with this codependency, which is a people addiction, where you want to please everybody and make everybody happy, and you can't stand it if somebody isn't happy with you or they don't like you, and it's just, it's, it's a really uh, horrible thing. Um, and I talked about how one day after I had had this incident with Wanda, um, where I was on my way to work, and I, you know, I was walking out the door, and Wanda asked me to make some copies, and I snatched them out of her hand, and I said, sure, I have nothing else to do today. And I uh, got home that night, and we're sitting at the table, and after the boys left the table, Wanda looked at me, and she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, and I'll never forget it. 
She said, why are you so angry? When she asked me that question, you know, my first impulse was to say, you make me angry, you know. Oh, you. But I knew that she had triggered something for me. And, and, and honestly, that began me asking God, God, why am I so angry? What is going on for me? And, and it was out of that moment in time that I'm going to tell you that God took me to places in my heart and life that I didn't want to go, that God showed me things about me that I needed to see but I didn't want to see, that God take me, began to do a healing work at a deeper level of me than he'd ever done before. But it came out of those questions. Now look at me. Please hear my heart again. You're going to have questions sometimes for God. But don't let those questions, don't let the enemy use those questions to drive you away from him. Let those questions draw you near to him. Amen? Let me give you one more, and this can help you if you, if you can grasp this. Sometimes we need to change our questions. Sometimes we need to change our questions. Sometimes the questions we're asking are questions that don't have answers. Think of it this way. If I said, how does blue smell? You would go, blue's a color, right. So there's really no answer to that question. Does this make sense? Now, the reason this is so important is because the biggest question that we often ask God is what? Why? Now, the presumption behind that question is that everything that happens on this planet happens because God caused it to happen. Now, I'm going to really deal with this in depth next week when I talk about the cliche that everything happens for a reason, but I need to touch on it here. The reality is that's not true. I want to stand before you. I want you to look me in the eye, and I want you to hear what I say to you right now. Everything that happens on this earth does not happen by the hand of God. God did not shoot 20 people in El Paso the other day. God did not pull out a gun in downtown Dayton last night and kill nine people. God did not cause our dear avian to have a motorcycle accident. You, you have to grasp that. Shootings happen. Natural disasters happen. Accidents happen. In Romans eight twenty eight, he says, in all things, God works for good. Not that God causes all things to happen. Now, the reason that's so important is, is I, I could ask for the next several years of my life, I could ask the question, why does, my, why does my granddaughter have autism? But you see, that's, that's a question that has no answer. The fact of the matter is we live on a fallen planet where disease and mental illness and physical challenges are a part of living in this, this world. And so I have to change the question. And I have to change the question from why to how. How, God? How can I love my little Jolie in a way that will help her feel loved? How can I support her? How can I support my kids who are dealing with her every day? What can I learn, God? What can you 
teach me and what can you teach us through these things that will help us? What, what can I glean, Lord, that is going to help me come alongside of someone else as they're going through this that I might be able to help them? Does this make sense to you? You see, if you get stuck on the unanswerable question, you'll just keep going around and around in a circle. But if you can change the question, you can help yourself. And I think God can give you some answers that'll really help you. That's why I put on your outline, you know, the wrong questions will just bring you frustration, but the right questions will bring you transformation. Amen? Amen. Let me give you one more. And I think every one of these thoughts I've given you are important, but I'm going to tell you, I think this is the most important at all. Go ahead and ask the questions, but you need to decide what you know. You need to decide what you know. Okay, we have all these questions for God, right? Okay, I want you to just think for a second. I want you to think about what do you know about God? Not what you think, what do you know? Of what are you certain? Because that's the place that you need to stand, okay? I love what Paul said. Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen. Second Timothy, Paul said, for, read it with me, church. For I know the one in whom I trust and am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. For I know the one in whom I trust. I know the one in whom I trust. Now, let's do a little audience participation for a second. Tell me what you know about God. Finish this sentence. God is. God is love. God is. God is grace. God is. God is present. God is. God is faithful. God is. Yeah. And see, when you, when you know those things, when you know those things about God, that gives you a place to stand. It gives you a foundation upon which you can build. It gives me a platform that I can stand on and say, God, I have all of these questions, but this is what I know. You are good. You are faithful. You are merciful. You love me more than I could possibly imagine. You are an ever-present help in my time of need. That's what I know. And I'm going to tell you, in those moments when questions are feeling your mind, you have to bring yourself back sometimes to what you know. Amen. And when you know those things, I love the passage from Hebrews. Throw it up on the screen. Hebrews 6.19 says, read it with me. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And those things that we know, baby, they are our anchor, firm and secure. I put this on your outline, and this is probably something I think we need to put up on our refrigerators and, and just keep reminding ourselves from time to time is hang your faith on what you know, not how you feel. Hang your faith on what you know, not what you feel. Because here's the deal. Your feelings along the way are just going to go like this. When you hang your faith on what you know, you'll have something firm and secure. Amen? Amen. 
Go ahead, Rachel. Come on back up. I'm asking Rachel to come. She's going to lead us in a song. And, and I think it's a, just a great song maybe for us today. It's one of my favorite courses that says, Draw Me Close to You. And maybe today is a great time for you to invite God to just draw you close to his heart. I, I don't know what questions you came with this morning. But I want you to think for these next few moments about what you know about God. I'm going to ask our ushers if they would go ahead and get ready. And we're going to serve the communion elements in, in just a minute. Because this morning as we end, I want, to, I want you to hold your hands. I want you to wrap your hands around something that you know. And here's what you can know. For God so loved you that he sent his one and only son. That if you would just believe in him, you wouldn't have to perish. You could have everlasting life. Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And here's what I want you to know this morning. A God who loved you that much, he's not about to leave you now. He's not about to leave you stranded after bringing you this far. And again, I know for some of us, man, this last week or two has been just rocky. And then we've tried to have a, a place and we, our legs get shaky, but Today, I want you to be able to stand on that love of God. And, and this morning, if you've never opened your heart to that, if, if you've been trying to make it through this life all on your own, you don't have to. God sent his son for you this morning. And if you would just open your heart to him, surrender your life to him, invite him to be the Lord and the director of your life, you'll never be alone again. Ever. So for these next few moments as we distribute the elements, we just want you to just spend a few moments in personal reflection, sing along with this song and let the words minister to your heart. Thank God for those things that you know and whatever questions you came with this morning, feel free just to lay them before God and allow him to minister to you. Remember as the ushers distribute the elements, the cups are stacked in two. The bottom cup has your bread, top cup has your juice. You can pull that and just hold those till everyone's been served. We have open communion here at Chartel, which means you don't have to be a member of our church to partake in communion. If you're here, you were, you're welcome to participate with us this morning. Let this be your personal worship time while we sing. Ushers, go ahead and come. Well, fathers, we come before you this morning. Um, you know the week we've had this last week as a body and you know individually, Lord, all of the other challenges and struggles that many of us have had. And, and you know today, we, we came into this worship service with a thousand questions. And that's okay. You're not afraid of our emotions and you're not intimidated by the questions we ask. Father, I, I pray today that you would just put your arms around each and every person you know the pain and the struggle that those questions are coming from. You know the journey that they're on. And my prayer, Father, is that you would take these questions and that, Lord, that you would rebuke the enemy in every way that he would seek to want to use them to cause a division in their heart or to draw them away or to cause them to want to live in their anger and their pain. And I pray instead, Father, that you would allow these questions to draw each and every person to you. You are our healer. You are our redeemer. 
You are the God who incredibly can pick up the broken pieces of our lives and and put them back together again. And for a moment today, Lord, we hold in our hands, not questions, but an answer. These elements that we hold, this bread that represents your body and this juice that represents your blood is, is something that we know. What we know is that you love us with all of your heart. What we know is that you will never leave us or forsake us. What we know is that you said in this world we would have trouble, but that we should take heart because you have overcome the world. And so, Lord, with all of our struggle and all of our questions, we, we stand on what we know today. And we ask that you help us to be as faithful to you as you have been to us. Lord, thank you for meeting us here this morning. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for having your arms around us. And Father, as we leave here this week, and we're going out into a world that is just in such great pain. Would you help us to shed some of that love and that light? Would you help us to be a little bit more of the radiance of who you are? Would you help us to draw people to you as you drew us to yourself? Father God, we love you today. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said.